Welcome back to Unleashed at Work and Home. I'm Colleen Pilar, and my guest today is Tabitha Kusera. She's a registered veterinary technician who owns a business called Chirps and Chatter that specializes in cat behavior. She's a fear-free level three certified practitioner, I guess that's the right word, and a low-stress handling certified um, trainer as well. So I wanted Tabitha to come on and talk with me today about self-care because I spoke with her a couple of months ago and we were talking about some of the challenges in working in a veterinary hospital and compassion fatigue. And she said, if one more person says something trite like, just try yoga, it could make me scream. And I thought that was so true. So I wanted to dive in a little deeper than the just try yoga yoga, easy answers. So welcome, Tabitha. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm super happy to have you. So when we were talking and and you expressed some frustration with what seemed to be simple solutions to complex problems, what, what are you finding to be some of the real challenges in that the veterinary profession is facing as well as other pet professionals? I think it's wonderful that as a field, we're finally starting to be aware, because that's the first way to get help, of course, that there is a problem in our field with pet care professionals and veterinary professionals that compassion fatigue, burnout, suicide, all of these really serious things have been an issue for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, So the fact that we're finally addressing it is wonderful. But for example, veterinary conferences 10 years ago, I don't remember having self-care tracks. So the fact that they have them now is great, but the downfall I'm seeing is I see a lot of, hey, do yoga, hey, punch a pillow, hey, write in a journal. Not that those things aren't helpful, but when you are over thresholds, you can't then say, I'm over thresholds. I'm in a place where I can't think and I'm going to punch a pillow. I'm going to do yoga. Those are more preventative strategies before Mm -hmm. like stress management strategies before you are over threshold. And as one of my friends told me when I was struggling with a really difficult situation, actually last year, she said, you aren't like on the ledge of compassion fatigue. She said, you're swimming in it. And I'll never forget that because it resonated with me. And it was one of the things that actually helped me make the decision to leave general practice, which in, for me, it was the best thing to do for my mental and physical health at that time. But I'll be honest, those aren't the kinds of conversations I'm hearing in these lectures. And I know you can't solve, again, complex behavioral issues in a lecture, but also I think I don't see people being real, which is, I'll be honest, when I'm struggling with compassion fatigue and burnout, and someone in a lecture tells me to do yoga and breathe, those are really important stress management, stress management techniques, but it's kind of insulting because I'm beyond that point. Our field is beyond that point. I mean, we have to be honest. Like those are the things that should be done in vet tech school and veterinarian school. That's where we should be talking about stress management techniques or in a perfect world when we're children. (laughs) But we really need to talk about, hey, this is a problem. We're aware. Here's where you can get help. Here's my story. Yes. Because that's not what I'm seeing. So that, that, that's been a, a frustrating mm-hmm. thing as a veterinary professional that I keep repeating. Like I just see it over and over and over again. And a lot of my colleagues feel really similar yes. to how I feel. I, I've struggled with that too. And 
I read an article a couple of months ago that really helped me put some words around it. And it was talking about the yin and yang of self-care and the yin being the, you know, take a bath, try yoga, go for a walk, sort of the soft and easier pieces of that. And those are awesome, wonderful, powerful tools, but they don't necessarily address the bigger rocks. (laughs) And then the yang side is some of the really hard decisions that we have to face and make, you know, really taking a close look at your budget and seeing how things are going there, taking a good close look at how you're spending your time, making decisions about how you're managing your health. And those are the hard changes, the things that we have to be more deliberate about and that they don't pay off quickly. And those pieces, if we can kind of look at the yin and the yang of it and recognize that some pieces of self-care aren't soft and fuzzy but they're vital and important and slow, but, but really, really powerful. That phrasing helped yeah. me to, to think through some of these pieces. And that's, I, I think that that is really helpful phrasing. I definitely agree because I'll be honest, I'm still working through things, but I am in a place now that I'm aware so I can begin to work on things mm-hmm. and begin to, for example, I meditated the other day for 10 minutes, which for me was a huge win because I'm setting realistic expectations for myself. I set realistic expectations for my clients Mm -hmm. as a trainer and a veterinary technician, but I'm going to be honest, I set very unrealistic expectations for myself. I can see 30 clients, write 10 articles and travel and then not have a day off. Right. And that is not realistic. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I recently actually saw a colleague speak about compassion fatigue and he said at the end, jokingly, I'm not RoboCop. And now that's something that I use as a mantra because I'll be honest, you know, I can do that. I can get all my articles done at the last minute and speak and then travel home and see a consult that day. No, I can't. But unfortunately, like we kind of take it. I mean, I feel like I've been at this person that has, has said, I'm awesome. I can do all these things. And I kind of took it as like a good badge um, mm-hmm. versus what it actually was. And now I just have that, like literally that mantra started a few weeks ago. I am not RoboCop and it's okay. <laughs> and that's really powerful, isn't it? Because I, th- I think that's really common that we do break things down into small steps for our clients. And we do have more understanding and acceptance for other people's challenges. But then for ourselves, we're busy going, I can do it. I can, I can, I can, I, I must, I should, I need to. And it's, it's very debilitating. You shared earlier that you'd, you'd had a really difficult time toward the end of your time in, um, in a, in a, veterinary hospital and general practice. Would you be willing to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I've been a veterinary technician for about 10 years and I have always worked with rescues as well. So just like the majority of us, I've always had a variety of jobs and things that I needed to attend to along with my actual, like my lovely husband and my, my animals and all that fun stuff. So I recently started speaking. I started my cat behavior business, my dog behavior business, and I was working in GP. And I'll be honest, being really into behavior, general practice is always a difficult thing 
because of the long hours, the underpayment, the toxic situations that unfortunately have gotten pretty normalized in my field, Mm -hmm. which again, we're working towards getting better, but these are all normal things on top of our actual jobs, like having to tell clients, you know, CPR or DNR right now, having to make those really difficult decisions and help clients through those decisions. It takes a lot on us as well as the more I've gotten into fear-free and low-stress handling and behavior, I'll be honest, the things I was taught in technician school, are, are I would never hold animals in that way now that I have learned other techniques. So since I'm so aware of behavior, I also, I also could, the things 10 years ago where I was like, I can just scruff and stretch the cat. Now I see what that does. And I'm seeing, since I understand body language well, it's even harder. So the last few practices I've worked at, have been great. And we've implemented Fear Free and I've taught them low stress and it's, it's been wonderful. But towards the end there, I was, I'll be honest, I was crying probably once or twice a day in the bathroom. And I'm sure there were other factors, you know, there, just like with our, our clients and patients' behavior, there's environmental factors, there's things that are happening at home, there's the actual job. So I was probably overworking myself and not sleeping well and all that other stuff. But I was crying daily in the in the bathroom. I remember one time I saw um, I was teaching this clinic fear free and low stress handling techniques, and they they are wonderful. But it's a process to learn new techniques. And I walked in, and they were scruffing a cat with a cat muzzle, which are two things that are not ideal. And I remember because I couldn't handle the situation appropriately, because it's never appropriate to say stop doing that. You always have to be kind. That's how you change minds. Right. Um, so I just went in the bathroom and sobbed and because I resonated with that cat and what was happening and then my whole field. And then and then I'm really extroverted for anybody that knows me. I'm very extroverted. I love to talk. I love to be around people. I actually am not a big fan of being by myself. And I started to become really withdrawn, which is a pretty severe, I mean, it's a severe symptom for our dog and cat patients, but I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to answer my phone. And I've been, I, I have a lot of wonderful friends, um, a great support system. And that's when my friend was like, friends, you're swimming in compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you should have like left this field or made a change, you know, months ago. And she was coming from a good place. Cause I have these difficult, these difficult conversations with my friends. So I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, this isn't working. Something's wrong. And when you're over threshold again, cause I was over threshold, basically constantly at this point, mm-hmm. the idea of doing the research to find a therapist was exhausting. And, and I remember telling my husband and I I'm lucky I have insurance. So I remember telling my husband, I can't imagine feeling like this and like not even having the energy to go on the internet and do some research and call a few people. Mm-hmm but not having insurance. Like I just, it was just mind blowing to me. And then another thing that I'll be honest, I was really surprised about, and I wasn't comfortable with talking about until more recently is I was afraid to tell my friends and colleagues about how upset I was. And I'm the, I'm the cheerleader. I'm the one that helps people. Hey, if you're having a difficult time, talk to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a safe place. I've always been that person And I remember being terrified of any of my veterinary professional close friends. Like these are like my 
close friends knowing that I was falling apart. And I think that's how I got to the severity of the place I was at, such a dark place, because my husband knew because he lives with me and he's wonderful and supportive, but I never told anybody and I was afraid to tell anybody. And the idea of leaving general practice, I'll be honest, I felt like I wouldn't be a vet tech anymore. Right. And I may get a little emotional. I'm totally fine. Um, (laughs) But a lot of veterinary professionals feel this way now that I've told my story. You being a vet tech is part of my identity and I'm okay with that. I love my job. I love my career. And I still am a vet tech. I'm seeing more animals than I ever have. I still do. (laughs) But at the time, I felt like if I wasn't in practice, that I wasn't a vet tech anymore. And I think that's another reason why it was really, really difficult for me to finally be like, hey, I need a break. Mm -hmm. Um, I may go back, but I need a break. And it was to the point where I'll be honest, I was having suicidal thoughts and I was, I was in a really, really, really dark place. And thankfully with my supportive husband and the support of my friends and just eventually being more aware, I finally talked to my clinic at the time and I was very honest with them. I said, you guys are great. You're supportive. Cause they hired me mostly to, cause at this point, if I was starting in a practice, I was starting to help implement positive changes in the practice. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to teach people when you're just a mess. Right. It's okay. I was a mess. And it's been about a year at this point um, since I've left general practice. And I'm going to be honest, I'm really upset I didn't do it sooner. But it's silly for us to focus on the past. We got to focus on the future. But I'm in such a better place mentally, like within... Within three months, I was out of that severe depression because I changed my, I, I kind of treated myself like a, like a client and I wrote down my triggers, Mm -hmm. which is hilarious. And I saw that it kept going to being at work for various reasons. So I was like, what can I control? I can leave practice. It took me a very long time to come with that decision. I left and then the first two to four weeks, I'll be honest, it was really, so it was more of the, it was grief. I was just like, I'm not a vet tech anymore. And I'm still, I'll be honest, I'm still working through that Mm -hmm. uh, because I miss practice sometimes. I did that too. Who am I if I'm not a dog trainer? Right. It's part of our identity. Yeah. So what, what do you think? It's, It's really common for friends and family to see it more clearly than the individual who's in the midst of it, you know, swimming in compassion fatigue is such a lovely phrase. Well, it's a sad phrase, right. but a, a clear and yeah, no, I understand. It <laughs> it's so common for friends and family to be able to see it better than, than we can ourselves. What do you think gave you, gave you the power to actually see it and acknowledge it and, and be ready to make the change? I'll be honest. I think the, my husband's been telling me I've been doing too much basically since he's met me. Um, (laughs) So I think the, the biggest thing was when I, when I, cause we all have self-care days. I'll be honest. We all have days where we're like, I can't do anything today, but I was having multiple of those at a time. Mm -hmm. And I love my job. 
whether it's a low-cost vaccine clinic, it's talking to a shelter, it's consulting with a client. I love my job. And I started to dread reading emails. Mm-hmm. It caused me anxiety. Um, I didn't want to answer my phone. And like I said, I literally just wanted to lay on the couch. And I told my husband, which he was aware of, I was like, oh my gosh, I just don't want to do anything. And I was like, so obviously, unfortunately, I waited till really long time. But that's when I was like, I need to change something and get help. Because I literally couldn't bring myself even to get food with a friend. It was hard for me. Yeah. Um, so that was a pretty big wake up call and the support of a, a veterinary colleague of mine, because she was the one with the swimming and compassion fatigue. And then I, I actually reached out to another veterinary behavior colleague, friend, and I told her, I remember when I told her and I was like, I don't know what to do. And she, she's like, oh my gosh, you seem so put together. I'm like, ha 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 ha. Um, yeah. And I always joke with people. I'm like, I know I look great on social media, but I'm as messed up as everyone else. So she was super supportive and she still is. Like we have monthly, so we've actually, between both of our um, burnout issues, we've scheduled monthly call-ins to check in with each other. So powerful. Um, to avoid us from getting to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, unfortunately, I had to get as withdrawn as possible to the point where I didn't want to move or do anything for days and talking to my husband and those two friends who were also in the field. So really understood. It it took that for me to be like, okay, I need to change something and I need to get some stress management techniques. And, and just like with a fearful dog, I wouldn't be like, I'm going to do BMAD with you. You're terrified. I'm going to teach you how to go to a mat. Um, they're not in a place where they can think or right. function. So we have to change their underlying emotional state or get medications needed as if needed prior to us doing that. And I was like, what am I doing? If I was a dog, I would have reached out. (laughs) I would have had this client reach out to a veterinary behaviorist months ago. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And now I see now that I'm feeling better, I I do wish I would have gotten help sooner, which is why I'm okay with sharing my story. And whether I'm lecturing about fear-free or low stress handling, or even enrichment, I bring up burnout and compassion fatigue. Um, because I think we need to normalize it. I mean, we do most, most of us are dealing with it. And unfortunately there's a mental stigma with animals, behavioral issues, but there's definitely a mental stigma with ours. And I always joke with people like, I'm not ashamed of my anxiety. It's okay. (laughs) Well, and and we need to take the conversation a step deeper. I did a, a program at the university of Georgia's shelter medicine symposium and a student came up to me at the end and he said, well, I didn't, I didn't really think I was going to be able to get anything out of your session because it was on compassion fatigue because I'm not a practicing vet yet, but I, I actually did. I'm so grateful for that. And I was like, awesome. And he said, but everyone keeps telling us we're going to get compassion fatigue. We just hear it from every side. You're getting it. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. But nobody's telling us how to avoid it or what to do if we feel the symptoms. And I thought, oh dear. And that's not entirely true. I know that I know information is out there, but that perception of that, the conversation has been raised, that this is a, a phrase people know, they understand compassion fatigue at this point. But the idea is really just like, it's out there, 
but that just creates a sort of vibrating anxiety without a path of, okay, now, now what, now what, what should we do about this and how, how do we change it in the culture? So I'm so grateful to you for sharing your, your experiences with it, because that's, that's a huge piece of it is talking it, talking about it. And I totally agree with that statement because I'm going to be honest, when I was in it, really bad in it. Like I talked to others about burnout. I talked to other texts like, Hey, you work at a toxic place. You can always reach out and talk to me. I'm a safe place. Um, because I also know that, you know, especially veterinary professionals, toxicity is a very common thing. And also we're kind of conditioned to be afraid to ask questions. Lots of really concerning things uh, <laughs> that now that I'm, now that I'm more into behavior, there's a lot of concerning things about my field. You'd never want to be wrong. So a lot of us are afraid to ask questions because we're afraid that our colleague will think us we're stupid, which is a really unhelpful environment. And for example, if I, cause I did work at a place once um, and these are normal things that happen. I think I started at 8am and I finished at about, it was, I think it was 10 o'clock at night, 10 or 11, um, which was not my scheduled shift. <laughs> Fun times. And I remember I just started sobbing. First off, I was really uncomfortable with something that was being done to a cat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just be honest. I was very uncomfortable with it. But then also, I, you know, I told my, I literally told my manager, I'm, because I'm way better at being aware of, hey, I can't think logically right now. It may be related to not eating or sleeping. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. better at seeing those things so I don't act out. But I said, I can't keep it together. I'm exhausted. Like I'm not even joking. Half of the staff was crying in the back. And she said, I have to stay. And it was really, the response I received was really concerning because I've literally said, I'm depressed. I feel this way. And I've been told like, smile, like that's literally happened to me before. And that is terrifying. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's every place, um, but it's happened to me on a few occasions where I was very honest with how I was feeling. And I get that you can't, I get it. If there's five emergencies, we can't just leave. I mean, I I understand that. But when I'm coming to you separately on a day where there's not emergencies and I'm explaining to you that I can't handle these 16 hour shifts and never leaving on time and always being short staffed and that I'm burning out and your response is um, something cliche. Right. Now, now mentally where I'm at, I'm like, I should have left that day. Mm-hmm. I should have left that practice that day. I'll be honest. That's my, my opinion. But I have so many veterinary professionals who have similar stories and, or someone's emotionally abusing them daily. It's just, it's really unfortunate. Right. And so depleted that they can't see those options or stand up for themselves because, because they are exactly. running out. Yeah. So I think it's really important for, because I always tell people when I'm talking about body language or like, for example, I say every interaction we have with an animal is affecting them. And I'm like, I know that's really intense. Like I joke in the lecture, like, I know that's a lot of pressure, but we have to know that mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to know that it's made me better at my job. And it's made me, to be honest, the animals that I'm working with, I do all I can to limit fear, anxiety, and stress now that I know why. And it has helped me tremendously with my burnout yeah. and compassion fatigue. So I think those, 
those are the kinds of things we have to talk to. And when it comes to managers or other colleagues, having someone that they can call, because I get it, not everyone that is, you are not a counselor, but I shouldn't be told to like smile. I should be given maybe a resource. (laughs) Um, It's just, it's, it's interesting because a lot of, and I think, I think this all contributes to the really high rate of suicide in my field, which again, this is hard stuff to talk about, but all of my friends, including myself, have a friend in the veterinary field who has lost their life to suicide. Yes. Um, So we can't, like you said, we can't just be saying do yoga and punch a pillow like I'm 14. And even for 14 year olds, to be honest, that's not appropriate. So these types of conversations are, are really, are really important to have. They are. They, they really are. And I think that there were so often uncomfortable or afraid to have them for fear of sort of opening a can of worms that we won't be able to contain what comes out. But I think that by bringing things out, that's where we can actually deal with them and, and address them. So if we're, if we're going to wrap this around to self-care, what are some of the things that you would encourage people to keep in mind when they are trying to actually take care of themselves? So I'm working on these things as well. What? You're not perfect? You haven't got it all together? <laughs> oh, you're so wonderful. See, that's the appropriate joking answer. Good job. <laughs> One thing that I, I'm still working on, I'll be honest, um, is finding a hobby that has nothing to do with animals. <laughs> Amazing how few of us have a hobby that has nothing to do with animals. <laughs> I think it's like, even if it's doing like a big sister, because that's something I'm thinking about doing, doing like a big sister program. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a little different because I am really into volunteer work and doing a lot of things, but literally I, even my hobby, just everything, it's insane. I never get a break. And if you think about it like that, you're like, whoa, this is weird. So I think having, because I used to have hobbies a long time ago. I remember Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) I used to enjoy the Metro parks and I used to work out and I used to read books that weren't textbooks. I don't remember those days, but I feel like there was a time (laughs) Yes. So I think having a hobby that isn't something to do with animals, personally, I think is really important. And I've heard that from a lot of my colleagues, and I definitely agree. Having a shutdown time, which I know you've talked about, which again, I'm working on it. I'm not perfect. (laughs) To start, I literally, because I'm I'm the person, like all of us, doing emails at 2am and my husband's like, hey, um, can we go to sleep? So I'm trying, still working on it. Um, after 11 p.m. to not be on my phone or my laptop. And I, I stopped bringing my laptop to bed. Those don't seem like huge things, but they're really difficult. Oh, I, I can relate. I'm currently trying to not work after dinner. And that's awesome. Seven days in a week. I think about working after dinner probably five days a week. And I'm actually <laughs> working after dinner probably only one, but there, I mean, there's so many nights that I'm like, uh, I have the craving. So it's, it's a step down kind of thing. Like, you know, so you're, you've got 11 PM and we'll, we'll bring it down bit by bit. It's going to be 1045 in a month. Exactly. <laughs> and then in a month, maybe I'll have a day off. Wouldn't that be awesome? So again, <laughs> these are things that, I mean, I, first off, like you said, they're hard. Like today, I'll be honest, I went to a physical, I did a preventative care physical and 
that's not something I have done in the past. (laughs) But I recommend to my clients, like senior animals, they should be seeing the vet twice a year with, you know, full blood work. And and I'm like, I haven't been to the doctor in two years. (laughs) So I think, and I've even, I joked with the nurse practitioner I was seeing this morning. I said, I understand I need to work on some stress management techniques and I'm aware of some of the things that I'm dealing with, but I need baseline. So I said, can, I just want baseline blood work, a baseline health check because I had had low vitamin D in the past mm-hmm. um, cause I'm from Ohio. Mm-hmm. Most of us do, but that really affects your, your it behavior. Does. It does. And, and if I didn't get supplementation, which I started it and never got rechecked for my blood work, because I got busy. So I'm, I'm starting, I like, I'm really proud of myself because I'm, I did a preventative care exam today and it's a really great place for me to start on the road to taking care of myself because little yeah. things like that are, are huge. And it's, it's on the yang side, the yin and yang. It's a, it's a yang side piece. It's not, you know, hot baths and chocolate. It's really taking a hard look and getting a baseline and, and scheduling the time to do that. And, making the effort and jumping through all those hoops. It's awesome. And it's everything we would tell a client to do. Right. And I do have the fun stuff. So I always tell people when I, when I meet, cause I tell my story a lot. Uh, like I said, I'm not ashamed. And um, even though I was at a time, which upsets me, but it's okay. And I've had so many amazing veterinary professionals reach out to me just, Hey, can I vent to you? Mm-hmm. And of course you can, but it also has helped me see how many people don't have safe places, right? which is also kind of really concerning because I have a, I always tell anyone in my field, if they ask me, you need a support system. If it wasn't for my husband and my friends, mm-hmm. I do a lot of great stuff. Everyone always says like, after my lecture, you're so smart, you're great. And I'm like, I wouldn't be anything without them. <laughs> so I think having a support system and Dr. Andy Rourke, who is a, uh, an amazing veterinarian that actually talks a lot about this stuff. He had a conversation recently about how everyone gets the best him. And then he comes home and the person that he loves the most, right. <laughs> gets the worst him. And I, I resonated with that so much because I'm really high energy. I am really bubbly. I am really positive and everyone sees that. And then I come home and my poor husband, um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like the person that I should be, not that you, I mean, you should be kind to everyone, but the people we care about the most get that part and, and then you lose relationships. Yeah. So I'm making a point now after Dr. Andy said that it really resonated with me. So I'm not perfect. We all have bad days, but I'm trying to be a lot more patient with my husband because he's very patient with me and reinforce all the amazing things he does for me. Mm-hmm. Versus being like, where's my hoodie? I can't find it. it. It is true how, you know, we do push ourselves to to give our best to the to others who are important, but not the, the most important people in our lives. And the most important people in our lives often get the depleted, cranky, exhausted self. And And if we were intentional and we thought about it, that's not how we would choose to do it. Yeah, so I'm I'm not perfect, but I'm I'm at least like I'm aware of it now. And I'm like, okay, cuz literally, I'll be honest, my husband's been getting the exhausted cranky me for a long time. Um <laughs> for for longer than I'd like to say. 
so I, I'm definitely trying to be aware of that and be more aware and be more kind, but also like in general, Hey, maybe get seven hours of sleep a night, mm-hmm. like little things like that. Drink more water. Cause there, there are so many things we can do. Um, and I've also started getting m- massages once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I have a lot of tension. Surprise, surprise. So that's like, that's self-care where, like you said, it's the other side of it, which is really important, but just like with most animals, like just medications aren't going to resolve most behavioral issues. They need environmental enrichment and behavior modification. So do we. Right. And and it's going to take time. The massage comment reminded me that the reason, the reason I'm currently trying very hard not to work after dinner is oh. two friends and I did a, we did a self-care challenge for one another, like oh, think, for yourself. And one friend was that she wanted to start meditating. And so her goal was she was going to meditate every day for two weeks. And I was going to not work after dinner every day for two weeks. And the other friend was going to get three massages in two weeks because she had been through a lot of trauma in that period of time and just really wanted to to, uh, give herself permission to take care of her body. And then over the course of six or eight weeks, we all tried to keep it up. And she said the massage was really hard for her because she felt like it was frivolous. But she knew yeah. that her body was storing tension. She knew that it was affecting her. And so she committed to that she was going to make the time and find the money to have the massage. And, and I was really impressed with, with her, that she really stuck with it and it was definitely on the yang side for her. It was a it was a tough call, but it was really really powerful. And to the best of my knowledge, she has she's not at at you know three and a two week period anymore. But I think she's on weekly right now. She's had a tough time, and she's using this to re- rebuild. And I think that's a really good point. Supporting each other through. I love that you've done that. I have to like we do our checkly our our monthly call ins, but I should totally have a self care. That's fun. We all know it's the right one when we're uncomfortable and we don't want to say it. Yes. Like when, when it came up to me, I was like, I'm not going to work after dinner. Oh, I don't want to say that one. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's the one. <laughs> to promote each other. Because another thing I commonly see in the veterinary field, uh, which I have dealt with myself, you have to realize as a registered veterinary technician, I was lucky if I got five days paid vacation after working somewhere for two to five years. So you would get five Mm -hmm. days paid vacation. And then when you come back and these were my friends and I used to do this, so I'm not throwing shade, but it it just helps me understand the bigger problem. I would come back from vacation. They're like, how was your vacation? It was super cool because it sucked here. And like, you would Mm -hmm. get kind of attacked for taking a break. Must be nice. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's something I see. Oh my, like, now that I see it, I see it a lot. And I think I was, right. I, I probably was part of that narrative and that's upsetting to me, but we aren't like, not only is it really hard to find the time to do self-care, like it is a really difficult thing, but then you're also like attacked by your colleagues and your friends in some cases, which again, I've totally been this person uh, years and years ago to be like, oh, I needed a day off. So I'll tell like, how was your vacation? That's awesome. I wish you had more time off. Like 
or just talk, just don't attack them and talk sassy. Yes. So there's, yep. there's so many factors that play a part in this burnout and compassion fatigue cycle. But a lot of it is we don't support each other, whether it's me cr- criticizing someone in a way that's non helpful, because I love learning constantly and improving myself by learning from other people. But that's another thing I see in my field a lot. And I, I see it in the training behavior world too, that we're not always necessarily, we're not always necessarily kind. And our, our feedback isn't constructive. It's more of, you just wanted to hurt that person's feelings. This isn't helpful. Yes. And, and Dr. Sally Foote talked about that on the podcast. I'll link to that in the show notes where she said, we all need to work on self-compassion and we all need to work on colleague compassion. And yes. that if we could be a little bit more compassionate to, to recognize that others are really just doing their best. They are, they have good motives and they're trying to do things right. And their definition of right and ours may not always align or the circumstances may not always set us up for perfect. But if we can just be a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more supportive to one another, that will start to change our cultures. Because culture needs to change. I mean, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. There's a lot of amazing veterinary technicians who are doing wonderful things for our field and are working as well as I am to help tackle some of these issues that we are seeing repeatedly done, like the toxicity, Mm -hmm. the being attacked, um, the non-empowerment, the justification for being not kind to people. Like all of these are pretty normal in my field. And I see it in the behavior training world uh, as well. But I think Usually as a trainer, I work for myself. So thankfully, I'm not going to a, a toxic environment every day. Mm-hmm. But I know some places, some people do. And that, that takes a lot out of you. Right. So like you said, I think just practicing empathy. And, and honestly, I know this sounds crazy, probably not. But I've been way more, I've been doing my best to be unjudgmental and less bias because we all have bias. Another thing that I, I have to be aware of, um, or I can't change, Mm -hmm. but I'm definitely doing my best to be like, Oh, she had to miss her kid's recital today. She might be a little more irritable Mm -hmm. versus she's being a blank, 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 (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is what I would say seven years ago. Not even going to lie to you. (laughs) I would say that's totally (laughs) what I would have said. Yeah, able to see the bigger picture. Yeah, it's definitely it's been it's been an interesting journey for sure. If someone would have told me as an AC teenager that I was going to help people through dealing with these struggles, I would I would have laughed. Uh, but I see it in the shelter world too because a lot of I work with shelters and there's a lot of that same toxicity yes. attacking, but most of it's coming from a place because everyone's overworked. Yep. And everyone's not sleeping enough. And we have yep. to deal with really sad stuff, but we're not given outlets to deal with that sad stuff. Cause like we won't even talk like we won't even talk about it. And it's right. It's it's bizarre to me. It's 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 definitely bizarre. But it's getting better. More resources are coming out. And I I meet so many kind, amazing people in my travels who are on board with me. And I have so many colleagues that have supported me that I'm so thankful to be a part of the behavior and veterinary fields because there's so many amazing things happening. It's just 
we really need to start taking care of each other more. Yes. Yes, we do. And, and I'm so grateful to you for talking with me about all this with with such clear honesty on all of the pieces of what's really hard about it and how we can change it. If people want to learn more about you and the work you do, how could they do that? They can check out my website, which is chirpsandchatter.com. My personal Facebook is Tabitha Cusera. And my dog training and cat training Facebooks are Positively Positive and Chirps and Chatter. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and really bringing some more awareness to this really important topic. Bit by bit, we're going to change the world. That's, that's the goal. Thanks for listening to Unleashed at Work and Home. Are you looking for ways to feel better fast and make it last? Do you want more actionable ideas and strategies? Would you like to connect with other amazing pet professionals who care about helping animals and creating healthy, fun work cultures? If so, you are going to love the Unleashed Resilience community. Visit ColleenPilar.com community for more information. I can't wait to see you there.